He's the director of Curse of the Weirdeer, a horror comedy set to release early 2023. He is Ben Johnson, and this is Slasher Sports Cinema. They say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for if not for shedding? We all go a little mad sometimes. God, it's no fun here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Slasher Sports Show with Billy Graves. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, how's it going? It is going very well. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, uh, what a, a wonderful movie, by the way, Thanksgiving. Uh, that thing is a pile of shit, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, the way it starts is is brilliant. There's something. Uh, what is it? There's like like a uh, uh, like a text scroll uh, text scroll right at the beginning where it tells you is sort of exactly what you'll see in the first like like thirty to forty five seconds, and they deliver. And beyond that, who cares about the rest of the movie? As long as they hit that, it's wonderful. Well, you know. There's something that I've professed for a long time is bad horror films are better than bad films of any other genre. And if you can't sit through Thanksgiving, then really 50% of what I have to offer anybody is out the window. (laughs) Well, I mean, so, so there's, there's a level of bad too hard that is, uh, that I think is a challenge sort of these days, right? Like, like if you look at movies that are too self-aware or that are too try hard to be quote unquote bad movies, they're garbage. Like they're horrible and you can't sit through them. It's if every like five minutes, there's a two to three minutes in some of them. If there's this, this fucking like this nod, that's like, uh, uh, Oh look, guys! Oh, we did a bad thing. Look, oh, we're a bad movie. Then it's it's trash. But if someone's coming through and and they're making something from the heart, but maybe it's not executed as well as it could be, or some of the scenes show, or even budget. Right there's there's like a level of charm to it. Do you know what I mean? There's there's absolutely a massive, there's a massive difference in people who have too much money and try to make a thing intentionally bad as opposed to people who had no money who are trying to do something good, like you can tell the difference. And I think that, that it's the latter that, that permeates as far as what we consider bad movies. I, I think that's uh, that's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's a fun dichotomy once you really think about it, because my parents, you know, lately I've been showing them horror films when I go over on like the weekend or something. And, it's going to be something that maybe I think they haven't seen before. So we talked about Halloween. We watched, uh, you know, most of the Halloween movies during Halloween season. Nice. I said, well, 
you know, here comes Thanksgiving. So we need to do something. And I, 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 I for, I don't know what the, the past tense is. I forwent <laughs> um, Thanks Killing and went with the old trusty Blood Rage. And Blood oh. Rage isn't one that is necessarily thought of as a Thanksgiving movie, but it happens to take place during Thanksgiving. Why do I know this? Because there's about a five minute scene where there's a turkey on the table. <laughs> and sometimes that's literally all you need, right? Like a little bit of set dressing, a little bit of set dress goes a very, very long way. And you could really maybe say it's the diehard of Thanksgiving films. <laughs> I mean, wow. It's going on. We know it's going on because I saw a turkey a few minutes ago. But the rest of this is just, you know, no bras and murder. And no. what else do you need on Thanksgiving? Right. Not Nobody's dressed for the weather. First of all, I don't know where this where it takes place. Maybe it's out west. Maybe it's in Florida. I don't know. But. <laughs> Blood Rage, everybody is dressed for summer, for the most part. <laughs> well, and, and that's that's sort of the other thing, too, that that becomes like a little bit of a challenge when you're doing this kind of stuff is remembering season and making sure that, that some of that fits. Uh, I watched a movie recently that's supposed to be a Christmas movie, right? Everything in it screams we shot this in june you know what i mean the trees are beautiful and green it's supposed to be outside of chicago in december and if you've been to illinois and <laughs> if you've been to illinois in the fucking wintertime it's snow everywhere that's that's all it is it's cold it's freezing people are wearing 58 thousand layers of clothing and there's uh there's none of that in this movie there's none of it. it it's the most absurd thing i've ever seen what what film was it do you remember <laughs> oh buddy do i remember and it's gonna segue right into what we're doing uh tonight and what we're here to talk about a, a wonderful new feature called curse of the were deer uh the movie that i watched and this is uh this is crazy to to sort of talk about there's another were deer movie did you know that I did know that. I've not yeah. seen it, but I did know it existed. Oh, uh, I didn't want to get the two crossed up. And no, yeah, we, we are going to dive into this in a little bit because I want to talk about a, or at least a little bit, a little bit um, how I stumbled upon your film because it has nothing to do with the fact that we went to high school together, right? Nor that, nor that we grew up in the same uh, one horse town that was a population of less than two thousand. Yeah, yeah. During nothing to do time. with that. It was accidental. But uh, yeah, th that's the uh, that, that's the fun part about it, Ben, is, you know, the things that you remember are often funny. OK, yeah. because you and I, again, we grew up in the same town. Right. Um, population of fewer than 2000. That's not exaggeration. No. Uh, right now it's a little over 2000. But uh, when we were there, it was plenty below 2000 people. It yeah, may have been. I think now, uh, and we did a little bit of research for our film because we turned um, we turned Westmoreland into South Tromaville. Uh, I'm so sorry. This is the most ridiculous for what to do. My my dog wants to go outside. Listen, right. pet, pet, this is a this is a pet friendly show. So I okay. apologize about that. Th this but is anyway. a pet friendly show. <laughs> so so I'm. Uh, 
our writer, Jimmy Adamson, was doing a little bit of research and he looked up the population of Westmoreland. And I want to say right now it's like like uh, 2089 is what the sign said is what 2089 is what the sign said. Yeah. Is that I, is that what you're going to go to the, the sign that you guys made? Yeah. 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 And then we we did the old uh, the old uh, what do you call it uh, citizen taxi gag where they have to just start putting up new numbers is what we did so we have as people are dying we're hanging up other numbers yeah that's funny yeah that that's actually a great gag because it didn't occur to me I I saw a still picture of yeah. uh, of the sign and I said huh so that's the population of yeah our little Jimmy- our little homestead. Jimmy Adamson does a beautiful research. He he understands Google like nobody I've ever known. Yeah. Jimmy, you know, I think Jimmy Adamson and I have connected on social, oh, good. Media, on social media. Very um, good. Yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, a lot of the people that I've connected with over the last year <laughs> are because of stumbling across this film. Now, just thinking about the things that you remember about people again, we yeah. grew up in the same place, but we did not, we did not ever really cross paths. No, um, during From that time. What I know we sort of ran in uh, similar circles. Uh, Very similar. Started, the Venn diagram lapses, but right. It's one of those things where it's like, we're all sort of around here and the two points never really sort of hit. Yeah. R- right. And that was purely accidental. It wasn't avoiding anybody. <laughs> Um, you know, well, maybe I was, I don't know, but I remember specifically, I did not have to do any Jimmy Adamson research on this. I did just right here. Oh, I remember a yearbook quote. Oh no. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And that yearbook quote was something around the, the, the lines of what's your favorite animal. Do you remember what you answered? I, I believe it was, uh, it may have been aardvark a fucking aardvark yeah 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 to this day i don't know what a goddamn aardvark is but <laughs> well, it's like an anteater right it's, is that it's what got it is? the weird nose it's is the it, whole uh it's got the yeah. snout right okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then i was in the right genus at least yeah i was in the yeah, right they're genus the same, they're the same sort of family they're the they're the same basically the same thing i mean well, speaking of anteaters, uh, Justin Calvert is probably the uh, <laughs> he's probably the the harbinger of what I guess made this union happen, uh, because, you know, when you're digging around on social media, right, you kind of realize that, man, there are people that I should have hung out with back then that I didn't. And people that I shouldn't have been hanging out with that I did. Okay. Well, that's yeah. 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 I think that can also be said about now. That can also be said about now. Like, if only we had, yeah. If if only we had like a a time capsule in, you know, 2042 to know (laughs) that, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have been hanging out with that guy. But (laughs) I, I thought to myself, man, Justin Calvert was a guy that I should have been hanging out with. I played baseball. I, I was, you know, in, in the athletic uh, realm of things, but I did not fit in with the athletic crowd. Okay? Sure. Not, not even a little bit. I actually fit in more with uh, the band kids because ah. if I look at my people, like my very best friend in the world was not a band kid, 
But if we look at mean, median, and mode, right, as as your sweet mother, you know, um, may have taught me, other than there's no fucking chewing gum in my classroom. Absolutely, Love absolutely. It. You spit that shit out. You don't bring it in. <laughs> don't no. fucking bring that in. Don't spit it in my trash can. You spit it in that trash can, and it's no. not going under my desk. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. Oh God. Oh. Um. <laughs> My best friend in the world, athlete. More of my friends were not athletes. Right, uh, they, they weren't on the baseball team. They, you know, they didn't play football with me. They were just nerds who did other things. And you know, I could name a few names, but you know, what's the point? With that <laughs> said, with that said, yeah, that, fuck them. Who needs them? No, fuck them. Yeah. That best friend of mine who actually co-hosted uh, my previous podcast slashers and screamers his name is james brown the godfather of droll if i may say so. tank tank himself yes he told me he said hey man there's some dudes up in motown which is what we call westmoreland they are in motown and they are looking for some real estate to make a movie yeah and i said the hell you say uh, I need to learn about that. And he told me, he dropped some names on me. And I don't know if he told me specifically your name. Maybe he spoke to somebody who, you know, approached him about possibly filming on, uh, you know, the, the farm, his uncle's farm. And I said, well, that's pretty badass. We, we need to, you know, support that if we can find it or if it ever happens. And this was probably in the very early stages. Very early. Uh, yeah. Very, and it was very me. early. It, it was me actually. I, okay. So that's, I, I guess it's just one of those things where you don't remember because you, you, you talk about a thousand things in a night and it's like, okay, well, I hope it happens. We'll see. I had not yet, you know, delved into uh slasher sports like, right. you know, we, we've created now. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind, fast forward, a little while and I'm talking to probably Justin Calvert and I start seeing tags and I'm like, there's that fucking movie that James was talking about. I need to see who's all, who all's involved in this. And I looked at the trailer. I saw that swipe across Justin's, you know, and I said, Oh God, this is definitely something I need to be looking at. I yeah. need to find this and and figure out who's behind it all, and I'll be goddamned if it's not Ben Johnson. I mean, what do you do? Um, so, <laughs> like, like there, I always wanted to do something in Westmoreland, and I had originally reached out because what we were gonna do was shoot October of last year, so a little over a year ago. Now we were supposed to shoot October. Uh, my dad ended up, my dad's at the time, 79, got COVID and ended up in the hospital for like three weeks, right? And this all happened right before we were supposed to start shooting. So I reached out to the kids that I work with in uh, in New York and I was like, guys, we're, we're pressing pause. I have to wait. I have to see what happens. Uh, it was late <laughs> the fact that we have to put things in in these terms now is, is so ridiculous but it was like late pandemic right so um 
Pops was sick. He's he's good now. He's out. He's uh, he's back at work where he wants to be. So God bless. Eighty years old, uh, kicking, uh, still chock full of piss and vinegar, and uh, so so we pushed pause, and then we shot in April. And the more I got to thinking about it, the more it was like, well, you know, maybe we need a location. Maybe a camp is too hard. Maybe maybe it's. Uh, we really looked at the script and we took those extra sort of few months to, to kind of break things down a little bit more. Well, we really only have these exteriors. Yeah, it'd be cool, but there's woods over at your dad's house. We're not doing a bunch of woody stuff. Let's, let's maybe play with what we have and what we really have access to. And, um, and then we ended up using, the laundromat as our production house throughout for, uh, for about three and a half weeks, uh, laundry tub, Westmoreland, Tennessee, uh, come through, hang out the other side. We, um, we really did turn into like a full blown production office. We had, we had computers and desk and, um, the back. So half the building is an entire laundromat runs all the way to the back of it. The other half of the building is like two office spaces up front. And then in the back of it is this open and empty warehouse, uh, sort of warehousey type space. And uh, that's that's where we did a lot of the more graphic stuff that you'll see in the feature. But we also used that in the short for the uh, for the scientist area. We yeah. used that in our short for that uh, in the teaser trailer. And then, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's neat when you've got like a little bit of space and you get like a little a little creative with what you have, right? Um, why reach out too much? And then it, it got to be a thing where it was like 30 people. And I was like, I don't want to bring all these fucking people out to somebody else's space and like all these cars and whatever. Like, like I felt more like we could control things operating there and then using these other spaces. I felt like there was a, a, a more of a level of control to it. I was sure, wrong, but I, I was very wrong. But. but it was an educated guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it just it just didn't go right. But let's <laughs> let's pause real quick and and go back in time. All right. So you graduated sure. high school in what 99? 98. 98. I'll be damned. Okay. Yep. So I graduated in two thousand. There you go. So yeah. I, I was incorrect. You were not a year ahead no, of two. me. You were two years. Uh, well, it was actually two thousand or before that you started your venture into filmmaking and I had no idea you, you did some, uh, what was it? Some production work. So, <laughs> or you were I, an intern uh, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my first year in college, I went to Western, didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was trying to be a psychology major that that wasn't working out for me. Um, for reasons that'll become clear across this interview. Uh, if they then, haven't already, <laughs> but then, then I moved to, uh, Memphis and they had a communications program and I always been interested in movies. And at the time, Western Kentucky did not have any sort of film based, whatever. I moved to Memphis. I uh, got into the film program there and that was spring of 90, 98, 99. That was fall of 99. And then by spring of 2000, I'd really like, like I'd really sunk my teeth into 
um, like B movies. I had always been since I'm like ten years old. I had always been a trauma fan. Um, the first, the first time I remember seeing like that little oval logo uh, was at True Value Hardware and Video when when True Value had the video store attached to it. Right before it became the Antique Mall. This is. Nobody's going to find this interesting. You know that, right, Billy? This no, they're not. But guess way what? Way too much inside fucking baseball here. So, yeah, well, you know what? Speaking of, uh, of sports, True Value Hardware. Let's, let's talk about True Value Hardware for a minute. It's a hardware. <laughs> it's a hardware store, but it's also a movie rental. Right. 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 And I just happened to play um, Pee Wee basketball. And the team that I played for was True Value. They really? were our sponsors. So now, now Westmoreland though was like king as far as like video store combos with things because in the eighties and nineties, like when when VHS was at its height, um, because not only was there their True Value hardware and video, uh, Wilkerson's florist in video. They they had a the flower shop had a video store attached to it, uh, Eagle Tanning in video, and they came uh, along even a little bit later. Yeah, truly, truly, that was uh, probably like what 90, 95, 94, 95, somewhere in there. Uh, right. And then over there by uh, Creasy's had a video store attached to the gas station at one point. At one point, Westmoreland I think had like five uh, five video stores. And for nineteen hundred people, probably. <laughs> right, right. Isn't that the best part of it, though? Like, like that's. But, but that should tell you something about where, like, like home video rental really was, and and like what it arguably should still be, right? Like before Blockbuster came in and really started like like crushing, except in a town of 2000 people. I'll I'll balloon it a little and we'll call and, it and and really even a, a town of 9000 at the time like Portland yeah. because you know I actually lived closer to Portland which is the neighboring town. Yeah. Um the the only thing that uh, Portland is going to be known for is Corey Brewer the the ba the famed basketball player. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, went to high school here. And then of course there's a country singer uh who sang older women make beautiful lovers. So <laughs> You know, I'll I'll pick I'll, I'll take Corey right. on that one. Yeah, if if we're picking out in the yard, I'm taking Corey all, all day long. But we have uh, you know those video rentals here, and I think sure. there still is one. Captain Video is still alive and thriving. I don't yeah. know what the hell there is there. I know they're still tanning, but that was kind of the combo here: tanning yeah. and, and 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 movies. Because Friday rolled around. Actually, no, Saturday would roll around and, you know, you'd go in, get two or three flicks and basically you get to keep them a second, a second day because it's never going to be open on Sunday. Absolutely. There, there's, you know, you gotta, you gotta use this thing right here. Don't go in on a Friday and have to return it Saturday. Get it Saturday and have to return it Monday. That's, I mean, look, Come on. that's simple math, right? That's all that is is simple math. Um, and I remember like, like, uh, what was it? There was a guy named, uh, I, maybe I shouldn't give both of his names, but his name was Joe. Uh, and he worked at True Value and arguably the most irresponsible uh, <laughs> uh, store employee. However, I got to know him very well uh, because I was in there so often. I bought 
on one of these weird little school trips, uh, Woodstock. I was big in the music when I was a kid. Still am. I love love music. Uh, any, well, that alternative scene really hit us at the right time. I mean, to be a child in the '90s, right? Like, Man. oh my god, like like in your uh, what is it? Uh, to be a to be a tween into a teenager in the '90s was yeah. uh, was magical. Uh, but Joe, like, so I went on a school trip. I bought the double vhs of woodstock right and i was talking with him because we would also talk music he would rent me movies whatever and uh he goes oh well if you watch that real close take a look uh at that stone fence you'll see a guy in these uh little rosemary colored or uh what is it rose colored circle glasses uh and he had one of those british driving caps on and he's like he's sitting there smoking a smoking something you should never touch and I was like, huh? And he goes, that's me. And I was like, holy shit. So uh, the video store employee at True Value Hardware is actually in the opening sequence of uh, of Woodstock. Is everybody showing up uh, smoking dope on a fucking uh, little like fence? Is everybody holy shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Same guy is responsible. And, and I'll tell you this, too, because it that oval that that trauma oval that i saw uh he's the same guy that would rent me like the toxic avenger he rented me all three of them fucking uh what is it surf nazis i surf nazis must die actually bought from wilkerson's when they were like like bringing in newer stuff i would just go and clear out their like two three dollar movies didn't matter what but that's where i bought surf nazis was at wilkerson's um and, and this leads itself back to your your previous question about what I was doing. In I don't even know what I asked. It doesn't matter. So you you had mentioned uh, getting involved in film and production. Uh, oh, did I ask that? Okay, you did. I, yeah. I believe you. I believe you. From when I sounds when like I, something I'd say. So, uh, but anyway, it, it all goes back. So I'd been very familiar with trauma because of the home video scene. And Lloyd will be the first one to tell you, like, Blockbuster is what killed trauma because people were going there and everybody was getting all the brand new movies. And then all of a sudden you'd have like 50 fucking copies of a, we'll say the 90s equivalent of a Marvel movie, right? If I can. Yeah. Uh, uh, T2, Judgment Day. There you go. They've got 40 fucking copies of it. And then all of a sudden, Blockbuster is not buying trauma movies because they're making the money off of what just came out of the theater. Whereas you get a small video store in a small town that can survive on two copies of T2, but still has to backfill with other older titles, right? With other things. They have to fill it back up. Um, so, so, and I, I always hit the horror section. Um, and speaking of, of horror and Justin, Justin's the guy who introduced me to horror movies. I was, I was like, Ooh, I don't know. It's a, isn't that scary? I don't want to be scared. And then we sat down and I can't, God, I can't remember, but it was like, it was a major franchise. Um, it may have been a nightmare. It may have been a Friday. I forget which one. But like he rented it, popped it in, and I was like, my mind was blown. Not only was it hysterical, like some of this shit is just so funny, but it was also one of those things where it's like, this is hardly terrifying. Like this is this I can I can 
since the the uh, the the gravitas or whatever the fuck you know it can sense yeah. the vibe the feel the whatever but at the same time it is not scary it's just a spectacle it's a roller coaster and that's that's all it is it's the the safest way to experience any of this stuff and it's not that i wanted to go out and like you know get knife fingers afterwards i mean it's cool to have hanging on your wall or in the background but sure well. sure at some point in life we all started rooting for the heel you yeah know, we, we, yeah I, I don't know when that happened like we, yeah. we we went from hoping the girl survives to hoping the killer gets them all i mean you know? If he can, not only if he can get them all, if he doesn't, how is he going to come back and offer the first in the in the first five minutes of the next movie? That's because yeah. you know he's coming back. That's you know other. he is, and and we learned that from you know Friday the Thirteenth, and like it wasn't him, you know, in the first one, but in the opening minutes, Alice gets it with the the ice pick in the temple, and like right. that was my that was my introduction. Um, it, I'm sure you'll remember back in the day there was a restaurant called Bonanza. I'm yes. sure I'm sure you and your folks went. Me and my folks went. We had that buffet. It was fantastic. It eventually turned into Ponderosa. But right. basically, I you know, I had some sisters and we would wait for our parents to go on date night. Okay. And that would happen like once a month, you know, because again, you know, Westmoreland is not like the most well off city in the world. You know, there's a lot of paycheck to paycheck people. Yeah. We were one of those growing up where I was, you know, they were grown. I was growing up, but I would wait for my parents to go and offer to let me stay with my sister so I could, you know, just hang around the house. And I remember specifically walking through the living room, sitting down and my parents do not let me stay in the room because they're watching Friday the 13th part two. Okay. And I, I did. I, I don't even think I was old enough to read, Ben. I wasn't old enough to read because there's no way I was going to read the title on this thing. Sure. But but I remembered the color of the cassette and it was, you know, you had the black cassette. You had like this gray colored uh, strip yeah. with, a blue, with a blue block lettering across the front. Yes. 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 And so I waited for him to go. They left. I sneak into my parents closet. I push all the pornos out of the way because I don't want that. I don't no. want to see Indiana Joan. Right. I don't I, care yeah. about the, the, the girls of cell block F. I don't care what they're doing. <laughs> I want to see that thing. My parents told me I wasn't allowed to watch. So I, <laughs> so I grabbed that silver lined blue lettered cassette tape. Now I actually checked, you know, the, how much tape is on each side. Yep. You know, when I, put it in i press play i see which scene it's on that way i know later on where i need to rewind it to when i finish it yes so yes. i rewind it i play it i'm just petrified i can't get out from under my blanket the music is just stressing me out because that screechy violin chase music that you know they, they play in the opening credits it, it's it's so stress inducing for a four-year-old uh, and <laughs> And, but I was hooked from that from that time on, and I, I would venture to say something like that is uh, what you experienced with Justin as well. That should like, but that should also tell you how important sound design is to a film too. Um, sound design is key, and I think a lot of people making things uh, sometimes neglect sound, uh, and and that's it's a major 
major mistake because look at the impact that had on you as a kid and and just think about when you're creating your own thing if you're not paying attention to every aspect of your film as you go along there's so much room for error and you can play with sound in ways that you can't play with video right like like that's the other that's the other crazy thing about it um what is it? Our our sound guy, uh, James Boylan, a wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, we do a, a podcast together, uh, totally tunular. That's that's his baby, but he's always in my ear. Like if if a take is not good for him, we'll go back and we'll redo it nine nine times out of ten, maybe eight times out of ten. Sometimes if I really like it, I'll be like, well. We'll fix it in the next one. Don't worry about it. And then he looks at me. He's like, you're the guy that's supposed to care about sound. And I'm like, not right now. But, but, <laughs> but like it is, it's desperately important. And, and the way you can layer it, the way you can play with it, you can add some, some of that reverb. You can take natural sounds. I mean, what is it? Chewbacca is literally like, what, 50 animals mushed together and then tweaked and touched, and then that's how you get that weird growl out of them? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, you have, you know, five senses. Yeah. You've got to to touch them all if you can. I mean, if if, if one day, you know, I can see a, a guy get stabbed on TV and I can taste the blood in my mouth. Come it's on. been it's, done well. It's been, yeah. that is done. That is executed properly. Do you know what I mean? If your if your brain is hit to that point where you hear like the th- of it going in, and you hear the squish of stuff coming out, you pull, you see the spurt, you see it coming down their tongue, and everything else, and you're like, oh fuck, I know, I know what that is. Well, just think about the, how many you know films that we see that are you know that that a lot of scenes take place underwater. Like say it's a shark flick or something where somebody's got to swim from point A to point B. I think about the movie Crawl, which is one that I saw recently. Old Barry Pepper crippled up in the basement. But either way, she's got to outswim these alligators and she goes underwater. What the thing that happens to me every time and I've, I've never outgrown this. I see someone go underwater. I hold my breath out of of instinct. Yes. And, then I realize, oh, I don't have to do this. She's the one in, in the shit. I'm not. The longer they're down there, too, it's a, it's a situation where um, uh, even just visually have done well, like, like if your editor is on point and if uh, if everybody is shot what they need to, fucking like 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 uh, your your chest starts to feel heavy. It's like like it gets harder to to breathe. That's what you want to. That's a sense you, of dread almost. That's what you want. That's what you need. If if you're not doing it, you're not you're not doing it right. You can't tell me that horror is not layered in psychology. Oh, it absolutely it, it, is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Like comedy and horror are two things that yeah. to to me that's where the Venn diagram is. You know, that, that's you know that, that stuff in the middle if if you can laugh and cringe in the same film God damn it! You got a you got a piece of work, and and so that's a there. There's another aspect to, and not so much like like straight up horror, and not so much like um, uh, what you would consider sort of those cornerstones, right? Like like um, in Nightmare and stuff, like uh, what is it? Uh, Dream Warriors, right? Where where he's in everybody's dreams, and that's the that's the prime time bitch, right? That's that's three, yeah. 
and yeah, then, and Welcome that's, to prime time, bitch. Yeah, that and, I'm pretty sure that's part three. And that's the the waterbed uh, with the sexy lady on it, and the fucking the kid there, and everything. So you're hitting you're hitting these things where it's it's always sort of those points of interest, sort of in the outside world, the things that that could be considered um, anything to take you like away from something these uh tempting sort of things right like and for me television has always i'm an only child television has been my best friends both of my parents worked constantly uh i was like a latchkey kid at like seven so i would be at home alone um actually at a point when i think i was maybe maybe five or six Mom was working uh, a second job. Dad was still out on the road. And like, I would be watching Gilligan's Island by myself. And I got a phone call. I would talk with my dad on the phone like every night. And I would talk to him a little bit. And I was like, let me tell you about this brand new TV show. I think it's made just for me. It's called Gilligan's Island. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I really did think. Thinking he's never heard of it. That right, and that someone had tapped into my brain and created this thing that was specifically for me, and I it is still to this day Bob Denver, uh, an American treasure, like really, but but like like if you're not hitting somebody in a different or or like an emotional level, if you're not making somebody think, then I I don't think the jobs being done and I, I i think we sort of uh to borrow a term from down here in the south we fall fall a little short of the glory you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well it's it's funny you say that about gilligan's island because uh i thought that same thing about happy days nice and nice and like i i was you know so naive as a child that i thought that you know if i could see them then they could also see me and so I would like get really close to the to the speaker on my TV, and it's like a little fifteen inch TV, and uh, you know it, it would kind of get quiet and be like, "Hey, Fonzie," thinking I'm going to get him in trouble for you know talking to him, like Fonzie. I do in class or whatever. But goddamn it, you know what I'm saying? Hey, but <laughs> that was for me. Yeah, done. <laughs> that's that's how you knew he was paying attention. That's yeah. how you know. Ben, yeah. tell me, did you have any mentors early on when you uh, when you first got in the game? Uh, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out a game uh, is the whole thing. And sort of, I mean, like locally, no. Uh, I would suggest in in sort of my life, like like a true a person who put a camera in my hand and said, go and create. No, never, never, not really. No. Um, I had cameras when I was a kid. I try to make things and nothing was, it, it's all weird little like VHS sort of stuff. It wasn't until I, I moved to Memphis and I kind of got into film and video, like a little older that I really kind of found my footing. I was also one of those kids. It was kind of like, uh, well, this would be cool. This would be cool. But then your whole life, you sort of hear you're from Bumblefuck. That happens in Hollywood. If you ever want to touch that, you either have to go to New York or Hollywood. And um, and I didn't believe it. I really never believed it. 
but at the same time, it's what everybody said. It's what they did. Or you had to go to school, get a degree, find a garbage job at like a cable access station and then figure it out from there. And then when you're like in your mid thirties, you move to New York or to Hollywood. But uh, what I did do because I was a huge trauma fan uh, and, and this all, this all comes very much full circle. Uh, when I was 20, I sent a note to the office because, uh, trauma's famous for these very long sort of introductions to their movies. They always have been, um, originally in like the eighties and nineties, they would even do, uh, like, like, a like, a Rompo Peel styled fucking like late night sort of infomercial type thing. You can still find some of that. Uh, and that's when Michael Hers was still doing on camera stuff with Lloyd. It was like the two of them together. Uh, Michael eventually was like, I don't want to be in front of a camera. And so he stopped Lloyd, you're the face. And then that's, that's how that happened. But it, it in all of those VHS releases, you would get, five to seven trailers of some of the wildest things you would see. And then you would have this like five minute introduction with Lloyd basically telling you that everything else you're watching is made by the devil, uh, by, by these giant devil worshiping uh, media conglomerates. Uh, it's all fodder. They don't think anything of you. They're just there to steal your money. But while we here at Troma, we celebrate, art we celebrate the independence we're working for you you know what i mean and uh i i thought a lot of that because he was always giving everybody the finger too at the same time you know it was like everything that you you thought was entertainment everything that you thought that you were brought up on is this is what i should be fed trauma just flew in the opposite direction and because again, of those video stores uh, that had to fill their shelves with anything but that. Either it was cheaper or they were just like, fuck, I need, I need five movies. I can get these five plus two T2s and I'm good to go, right? Right. So I took a lot of that to heart. And there was one, um, I'd been going to the website uh, in Miss Rippy's class. <laughs> before they started putting before they started fucking putting uh uh like like blocks on websites you right. used to access some pretty wild shit on your school computers yes so you could even as back as far as like 96 i was looking at the troma website uh once i finally started figuring out what an internet was then i realized oh i could just email them They'll never respond. They'll never respond. It took years. It took me another four years before I did. But in the spring of 2000, I was in my dorm room and, uh, and I had Toxic Avenger on. I won't tell you what I had in my, in my head. I was on a head full of, head full of fun. But then <laughs> I sent an email. I, I just sent an email. And it was a day later. It was literally like the next day I got a reply back. And uh, I was like, how can a kid in Memphis make movies? I've always wanted to, but people tell me there's barriers. There's all of this stuff. What should I do? And then they're like, we have a summer internship program. Can you get to New York? Yeah. Yeah. I could get to New York. 
So I talked to my folks. Uh, I talked to my professors. And I actually got school credit for my three months that I spent in the summer of 2000 in New York uh, working at the at the trauma building, at the old trauma building, 733 Ninth Avenue. Um, I lived in Brooklyn, took the, uh, what is it? I, I took uh, the blue line. I think it's the A and C. I took the C train into Hell's Kitchen uh, to the uh, to the old trauma building. It went upstairs, and uh, that that kind of that kind of started it all for me because that same summer, trauma was in post uh, in post production on the fourth Toxic Avenger movie, Citizen Toxie. Uh, they were actively screening Terra Firmer everywhere they could, and they were also in production on Trauma's Edge TV. So if you go back and you watch, uh, when Trent Haga is sitting in the office and he's piercing this rubber dick with a fucking safety pin, there's a kid in the background looking at old stills, a very slender, beautiful, fresh-faced young man. That's me, and now I'm just bloated and beardy and yeah but uh but that and was, we wouldn't have you any other way i know please right me neither <laughs> like, but but that was that was my introduction was sort of trial by fire and it 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 was an eye-opener in a lot of ways because what you'll find is that people are weirdly accessible and some of them before like before it was a thing you know before they're like oh Again, I got an Elon Musk retweet. Who gives a fuck? Has he read your email? Did he invite you to come and work for you? No, no. That same summer, uh, we were getting scripts from people. And I got sent home uh, back to the, the uh, student housing I was staying at up in the city. I got sent home with people's scripts. And Lloyd was like, well, if you, if you see one, you know, that you think trauma might, uh, might like, uh, well, tell me about it. And I said, okay, cool. So I spent Saturday and Sunday and I read like two or three scripts in full, in full, read them, brought them back in. I, I don't know. I mean, there are parts of these that are good. There's this thing on page 57. There's this other thing over here. And he was like, you read the whole fucking thing. He's like, read 10 pages. If you don't like it in 10 pages, fuck, tell me that. I'll tell him we don't want it. <laughs> Why'd you read all of it? And I was like, I thought I was supposed to. I, I thought that was the right thing. <laughs> no, no, 10 pages, 10 pages. Don't waste your time. Where are you from? It was like tennis. <laughs> don't tell like, them no, that. <laughs> don't, don't, it, no, no, no. Y'all don't need to read that much. Um, but, you know, and to find out that a lot of that, it wasn't that, how do I put it politely? Because I don't want people to think that their stuff doesn't get read or whatever. Uh, or that it just gets passed off to just some schlub from Tennessee who's 20 years old. What he was saying in that moment is something that you need to also remember as a filmmaker. If the first 10 pages doesn't really grab you, the first five to 10 minutes of your movie is not going to grab a viewer. You right. see what I mean? Like, like this, the script, they should match you will know in that 10 minutes if this is a thing that fits genre if this is a thing that fits uh uh scope if this fits whatever you're looking for you should know and i think that's the lesson that i was being taught in that moment 
is really what I think. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to discredit any writer who sends their stuff in. Boyd's actually actively, he, he tells me often, if you find a script, you know, somebody might, I don't know. I haven't seen one I want to direct yet, but maybe. So, He's an active guy. Yeah, very, very. Yeah. I mean, I, when I watched, um, I want to say it was, it wasn't Bring on the Damned because I haven't seen that. It's not done yet. It was right. um, Cuck Island. When I saw Cuck <laughs> Island. And he's, I was like, God damn, Reeves, you know, has, you know, Lloyd in the film. And like, you would think that he's like not busy, but no, he's very busy. He stays very busy. So, so that's another thing I feel very remiss. I hope he gets to this point in this uh, show Reeves Elliott does, because I went back and I had watched your, uh, your interview with him. I watched it at the time and I watched it the second time because I thought it was so fucking funny. Um, the the simple fact that I was the first like ten to twelve minutes of that conversation, I told myself before we. Started, oh, you're talking about the podcast. I I, I, yeah. I was on Cuck Island. Okay. Yeah, the podcast that you did with Reeves Elliott. The fact that I was the the first like ten to twelve minutes of that, I sent him a note afterwards, and I was like, really, I should I should have paid you both for that. That was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> it was very hysterical. Um, <laughs> very very funny. But it, I accept uh, payment in peanut butter. I'll uh, well, I also have a dog with a jar, so uh, I'll loan <laughs> you both for a weekend. Uh, I don't need that long. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it, it uh, and I'll talk about him the last twelve minutes solely. Just that works for me. Time. But uh, but like the the whole thing there is too is not only is he accessible, he is willing to do pretty much anything uh for an indie film it does not have to be a trauma movie it is uh it's easier if ultimately <clears throat> you're looking for distribution through trauma it's it's an easier thing but i if you look him up on imdb he's got literally i think like thousand a thousand cameos something it's it's some outrageous number that you're like there's no way any person could but he does it's wild it's so yeah. wild but yeah i mean speaking of reeves i've had you know i had reeves on i had brandon bassam on i've Good. had a uh, lucky saruti nice um ben Schatzel. Um, yes gonna have um uh jessa flux is coming on very um, nice very yeah, nice talking about uh hopefully going to talk about murder size Ooh, um, very with, uh, with kansas bowling is in that right yeah I, I think so yeah so um like i want to talk about that because we were talking about the 80s a little earlier like, i don't think people understand how big the fitness <laughs> movement was like the like the the you know the, the sweat into the oldies um you know, and then you've got this let's get physical from Olivia Newton John. And like yep. they've got this whole 80s vibe, and like the hair is ridiculous. It's like sexy 80s. And like Jessa Jess is already a hammer of the gods on her in her own right. So like you've got a fucking movie here that just bites with nostalgia. And I, I didn't know Jessa at the time. Sure. But when I saw it, I said, Oh my God, I need to see this. Well, I have to. It drew me in immediately. So, have you seen a movie called Death Spa? Death Spa is is 19, that 1989. 
Uh, it's basically like the spa comes to life and starts killing people. But what you find out is it's like uh, like, like an Indian burial, uh, burial ground or a Native American burial ground. Uh, there you go. That, that rang the bell. Yeah, I have seen that one beautiful movie but but it, murder size i feel gives off like a lot of that and and that's the thing jessa we're uh we're actually sharing a table with her at the uh oh god and now i'm not gonna remember the name of the uh the thing i'll post it later but there's an evansville horror convention that's coming up and uh shithouse and uh jessa are sharing a table there she's gonna peddle her wares and i'm gonna peddle two t-shirts and maybe a maybe a poster <laughs> pedal what you may I mean, what you can that's great though i mean like you guys no. you know have a you know pretty tight-knit core like it doesn't matter where you are if there's space on the table space will be shared i mean it's uh i mean i dig it we and i was i forget uh no 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 um Adam Freeman and Dixie Gers. If you if you haven't reached out to them, I would highly suggest talking to. Uh, I know to for a fact I have Dixie on the socials. I don't know about Adam. Did you say Adam? Adam Freeman. Uh, he's the director producer of uh, of a movie called Deadly Dealings. Uh, he just he he friend requested me on Facebook like ten minutes before you got on. Are you serious? I I think so. God, I think so. Beautiful. If so, oh man, I wish I could. Yeah, talk uh, talk to talk to both of them and Dixie in particular. Uh, they did, and I forget the old movie. It, it might be the same name. No, it's not. Uh, but she she did a movie called Crazy Fat Ethel, which was a remake of another movie. Uh, about a woman who gets out of like psych ward and goes on like killing spree after a, a brutal sort of sexual assault uh, in the in the ward and she kills these guys and then she goes off and just like kills everybody. Revenge um, flick, yeah. And she's she's been making a ton of shorts. Um, uh, what is it? Secrets of the Witch, uh, which I shot. I actually shot. I don't. I don't really get behind a camera too much i'm not great with telling you which lens to use or whatever i can right. find a frame that that is a thing that i can do i can i can find an interesting shot and i know what i'm looking for dixie asked me to shoot that for uh and it's actually gotten into a few festivals and, and you did shoot it I did, yeah. I was okay. I, I thought you were prefacing. She asked me to do it, but I said, "Hell no, go to hell." But no, you you did it. No, you, I shot it, and it was uh, again. It was an experience, and it, it's one of those things where uh, I guess because I'm a little, I'm a little insecure with like the technology aspect of it. Sure. Uh, I know what I know what I'm looking for, though. I know what I'm looking for on a monitor in a frame. I can tell all day long. That's great. Yeah. Move the shit to this side. Well, if he enters this way, then why are we going this way? Or that just looks stale. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a couple of things in it anyway, but long story short, I, I got introduced to, I found Dixie, I think online, like through crazy fat Ethel. And I'd reached out to her on Facebook about being the uh the and we don't call them gypsies because we're we're very progressive i reached out to her about being our fortune teller uh oh, yes. I, yeah gypsies are horribly 
uh, antiquated term and you know like like we're very progressive people in 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 that yeah in that context because there are an actual people an actual people called gypsies and they are not the people who listen to too much stevie nicks and (laughs) you know what i'm getting at dresses in the weird sort of thing no yeah yeah that is not a gypsy a gypsy is like tyson fury who you know comes from a very proud people and they're nomadic and, and arguably uh, disenfranchised, uh, like throughout, you know. Arguably, they, hell, you're you nailed it though. They, <laughs> they get a they get a bad rap just because rap. they had moved and whatever, and they're seen as these vagabond, and that's that's where the connotation comes in. But I mean, you know, it's uh, not true. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's not true and and again it's, it's not the the girl sitting outside on halloween wearing the dress listening to rhiannon on repeat <laughs> it is a beautiful song though right. she is yeah she's she's not it but ben you guys really motivate me okay yeah. you you do i, I mean this from the bottom of my black little heart okay you 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 make me like you the collective you like make me want to make a film, which is like something I've always wanted, but never really stepped up and took like the necessary steps to do because I didn't think it was a possibility, Ben, you know, I heard the same things you did. (laughs) Well, and then I spent, I spent a summer in the city. uh, And, and after that for the next like three or four years. um, Yeah. For the, yeah, for about the next three or four years, I acted as a kind of a, a, a trauma ambassador in Tennessee. I would go and, oh, man, I forget the name of it, but there was like a uh, like a little distribution place that I would go to. Uh, trauma would send me boxes of stuff, and then I would just go and kind of be the face and take it to them and, you know, you have the interaction and all that stuff down here. And then uh, ultimately... I moved to Oregon. I stayed connected for a little bit and then it kind of fell by the wayside. But then in 2008, and this is like, honest to God, dude, this was, this was the thing that blew my mind. Right. Uh, I was working uh, in a way, well, I was working in the mailroom at Nike of all places. Cause Nike's world headquarters is up there. Right. Right. Uh, and I got, I got me that sway dope corporate job. And I worked there for like 11 years and it moved my way up from the mailroom to uh, I was a <laughs> I was a recycling coordinator for a little bit. And then I ended up, uh, uh, what do you call it, overseeing a part of the recycling program. And then a friend of mine and I, we introduced composting to Nike's world headquarters and we kind of changed how they did things. We ultimately got rid of durable. Uh, no, no, no. We got rid of uh, disposable containers on campus and moved to durables like you could not get a fucking styrofoam cup you couldn't get a throwaway cup because me and my buddy mark uh marco got rid of all that now he spearheaded it but he brought me along with him uh because i was like shit yeah yeah let's let's be green baby and then every time he would move up into a position i would backfill his old spot so like it, it was a very very nice little thing. But in 2008, I was still in the mailroom and uh, Troma was screening Poltergeist. And I was like, wow, that'll be sick. I want to go see Poltergeist in the theater. I'll bring a couple of my buddies. 
Now, are you saying poltergeist or poultry geist? Poultry, poultry geist with a turkey. Okay, yeah, good. Well, good. chickens. It's a it's a fried chicken uh, musical that Lloyd made. Um, it, it, it is all chicken. Made. It is chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it's the American chicken bunker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that is the thing. You got the general uh, what's his nuts uh, that's there, and then Lloyd was the guy in the chicken suit that you would see because he didn't want to put other people in the suit because it would get too hot. Uh, so he did it himself. Uh, but anyway, anyway, so we go to the screening and fuck it. It's been at least four years since I'd seen him in person. And I let a couple of years since I'd even like, like uh, sent an email or anything. Right. It'd been a minute. I'd kind of pulled out and I was living that, corporate life but i took a couple of guys over and there's a kid in front of me in line who uh who'd been working in the office uh during citizen toxie he did sound on citizen toxie and he just he's like hey you remember oh yeah no hey good to good to see you. oh what's your name again? oh yeah okay and then uh i was back behind him and i walk up and i say hey lloyd ben and I was like, oh, shit, like my heart like fucking just jumped like out of my chest. I was like, oh, my God, like not only does he remember, but he's happy to see me. I was like, that's crazy. Uh, and the guys behind me in line were very impressed. And I had a little tear in my eye. It was very it was very <laughs> hard for me. But he does not forget. He doesn't forget. Uh, and that's the other thing. The man has a mind like a steel fucking trap. It's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. But that's absolutely amazing. Anyway, you you said you want to make a movie. What movie are you making? What's uh what what movie are you making? What's the idea? Well, the idea, you know, I bounce between a couple of things here, okay? And sure. like first of all, I don't want to get too schlocky, right? You know, I, I do want to make a serious uh thing and, and and I'm leaning towards a short film because you brought up short films earlier with uh you know the 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 lady who had asked you to shoot her film. Yeah, secrets, uh, of the witch, secrets of the yeah. witch. Yeah. So when um, you brought up short films, like I thought myself, like short films, what am I going to waste my time with short films? And then I started watching short films. Yeah. And I said, man, this is basically to me what, and I always go back to this as the example. I should probably get more examples. But when a stranger calls is like the perfect short film if you stop the film when she opens the door. <laughs> right. Good. When when you see Pappy O'Daniel standing there, that's when the the film should end. It could like, end. <laughs> it it could end right there. And you know how I know because when they did the remake, all they did was turn the op the cold open into a ninety minute feature. Uh, they didn't right. they didn't deal with the rest of the stuff, you know. But right. either way, when uh, you know when I see short films. I'm like, man, this is perfect. And when I see a horror film with a cold open, I tell myself, if I can't watch that cold open as a short film in itself, yeah. I don't want it. That's like my 10 page rule. Yep. Sort yeah. of. The, the but other, it, no, the other, the other thing with that is um, a lot of times it should be, it should be a standalone or it should leave you asking enough questions to be like, what happens next? Can where we turn it I, into a feature? Where am I going from here? Like what? But uh, we we got our start 
doing shorts. Uh, a bunch of us worked on uh, on hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. Most do, right? Most do get started with short films just because of budget and like testing the waters with writing and you know small sample sizes of techniques and just refining what you can do, right? I mean. It makes sense to jump into a feature straight away is is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but our our little crew, our little team met on Troma's hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, uh, and we all slept on a floor together uh, in a in a shitty little uh, duplex in Queens, and we dubbed it the Shit House because we were working on hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, and uh, when we started working together uh my buddy derek uh derek johnson when uh it, it had been let's see we wrapped in august september of 2018 a couple of us got together for the kabuki man returns teaser that uh the legendary blood sackman dougie blood sackman uh he's he's working on a new kabuki man uh, he's trying to trying to bring back uh, Harry Griswold. Uh, so he shot that happens. Oh my God! Fing- like fingers crossed. I I have some inside baseball. I can't tell you nothing. Uh, but anyway, long- surprise me. <laughs> but long long story short, we worked on that, and then Derek was like, "I want to I want to make my own movie. I want to make my own short movie, but I want all you guys to help me out with it." And I'm from Tennessee. We had a couple of kids from New York. Um, Derek had some friends from Kansas. Uh, the late great Blade Braxton uh, was one of our stars. Mr. Ben Chancel, who you've talked to, uh, also one of our stars. Both of them were from Kansas at the time. And uh, we all got together to shoot a thing called Wetworks, which was uh, Derek's baby. That was his, his brainchild. He directed it. Um, I also reluctantly ended up shooting that because two people, Two fucking people. This should tell you a little bit about our team and how we work. Two other people were supposed to bring a camera. I had just bought a camera. And I was like, oh, I'll bring it down and I'll take some stills. It's got video capability. That's great. Cool. Didn't think anything of it. Fucking get there. One dude. Oh, I was supposed to bring that? Sorry. I thought you were bringing it. Yes. It was very much like a dude where's my camera situation. And then I was like, Fuck it. Fuck it. There was a kid um, who was supposed to be our DP who the morning before our first night shoot um, took like he thought they said peach wine, but it was moonshine and he cracked it. And this is it like like maybe eight, nine o'clock in the morning. We're all supposed to be going to bed because we have a night shoot coming up. This kid cracks it open and it's not like glug done. It's not like thimble sip over. This motherfucker goes glug glug, sets it down, winds up with his ass in a cooler full of like our ice and water for the night, and then wants to be an asshole to me as I'm fucking trying to sleep on a couch. He's like, little baby, going sleeping now. Drunk fuck. I like I wanted to smack this kid. I really did. But I didn't. But I told Derek when I woke up, I was like, that kid's not touching my fucking camera. I will shoot it. He can do lights. I don't care. He's demoted. <laughs> demoted. I'm DP now. 
And so I, I ended up shooting that. Um, and I won't give his name because I'm not that guy, but I'll tell my story the way I tell it. What's it uh, rhyme with? Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so again, I, I sort of reluctantly shot that, but it was the first thing that we put together. And, um, and if Derek hadn't come to me and said, I want to make a short, I don't know when shit house would have happened. When shit house would have been a thing. I, I have no idea. Yeah. So, you, a, you know, God bless you. Us. just actually answered a question I was going to ask you about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the genesis of Shadows yeah. Productions. And yeah. like, I got more than I, I bargained for. That's we good. just enjoyed ourselves. We just, uh, and that's, that's the other thing I would suggest you find a group of people that um, not only can you work well together, but that inspires you. You know what I mean? That's the sure. thing I can say about these kids. That's why when we went to do the Where Deer trailer, um, and that's also Derek's brain baby. Uh, Derek and his buddy Joe, his writing partner, they write in Missouri. Um, they were like, what if it was like a werewolf, but like a deer? And then that's, I mean, there's the impetus. And they wrote the, uh, they wrote, um, what is it, like, like a seven or eight page script. And it was good. It was good. It had like a lot of chill elements to it. And Derek was like, I want to make like an extended trailer the way our friend James did. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, seen it, James Boylan made a thing again. I'm going to keep bringing him up too. It's a, he's my heart. Um, he made a thing called meet is murder, which is an old school, like grindhouse trailer. Yeah. And he was showing that off at, uh, he was showing that off during shitstorm, and uh, and again it, it sparked Derek to want to make a trailer and that's all where deer was ever supposed to be it was supposed to be like our little pandemic trailer right so just that, a trailer that's it that's all we were ever gonna do it's well, all what we say we look at the trailer the the final trailer let's see it let's talk see me through it let's get after it oh my god <laughs> so there's blade there's Dixie beautiful Dixie yeah, not a gypsy. Man, of course not. Was. Yeah. And there's Woodrow. There he is. Woody Woodrow. See, Reeves yeah. Elliott. There's so much happening in it, though. That's a, It's a hard to really explain. But, yeah, Blade Braxton, late, great, beautiful. Uh, Nadia White. Nadia White. Yeah, yes. she's... Beautiful lady. Hell of an actress. I mean, same with Dixie. Beautiful lady. Hell of an actress. Actress should always come first, but I mean, absolutely. There he is. There's the boss. There's Lloyd giving give those deer puns. <laughs> the Doe Jones. Doe Jones, right? Losing millions of bucks. <laughs> Look at this. And our first transformation, also shot in the laundromat. All of this stuff that you're seeing, shot in the laundromat. Now and there's Justin, that rat bastard. <laughs> I love the deer light. People fought me on that, and I was like, no, I'm just going to keep saying it and seeing it. Yeah. Hated to censor it, but you two well, I mean, would eat us up, you know? I, I respect that. But, uh, you know, it's still fun. Woodrow's a funny guy. In the front of uh, compelling on screen, too, right? How do you not end it with a deer in headlights? You know what I mean? 
<laughs> you have to. And what's funny is I, I think maybe there were a, a couple of scenes that you showed me where uh, Derek does this thing where he prolongs his uh, his reaction. Yes. There's a deer in the headlight. And then there's another scene where I think maybe he looks inside of something and then turns around and screams and then looks oh. back in and turns around and screams. So that's from that's from uh, the feature that that's absolutely from the feature. That's yeah. actually a that's a rip on um, on oh God. We do the the I think it's the Evil Dead sort of smash at the end of that. I think repetition is funny personally. I I always think that's good if done if done right. Um, but then that push in that you see with camera on that last big screen in that moment, absolute evil dead rip. And that was our DP, uh, Sam Zhang, uh, who is now at AFI. We lost our de facto DP after a few shorts. He, uh, he's gone on to bigger, broader things. So it breaks my heart, but to watch, to watch the babies grow. (laughs) Well, to answer your question, because I never did do that. I, yeah, I think what, I, what are you making? I, I, I was deflecting. I, I, I was deflecting, and because I mean, I don't have a lot of concrete, you know, anything to really throw. I just have like ideas that, like, I'm first of all, I'm absolutely in love with you know the slasher genre because yeah. I, I would want to make a slasher film. Um, I don't know if I want to go in the direction of found footage. Mm. Or, you know, something like that, because I mean, like, I don't know how it'll end up, but I, I am thinking about the found footage slash slasher type of project. There are a couple of directions I could go with like a rural setting sure. since, you know, the, the familiarity is, you know, with rural, rural life is already, you know, something that's not like foreign to me. Right. But I'm also thinking about something revolving around child trafficking to bring to light, you know, that situation, because I learned so much you know, work in security at the uh, Tennessee Welcome Centers, and, and it's horrific, Ben. It's yeah. horrific. But you know, I mean, enough about like the over, you know, the 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 overarching ideas. I saw that Jessa had mentioned that she wanted to to be in a film and like actually be the slasher. And I was like, God damn, what if I had, you know, a a woman slasher and like just not even juxtapose it to where it looks like it's a glaring. This is what we're doing. This is, you know, the idea that I want to push on you. Just fucking do it. Have them stab somebody up. Don't offer any ideas on like any kind of we're just trying to do something with equality here. No, I just want a badass bitch with a knife and a purpose. And like, but the thing is, like somebody like Jessa would be very difficult for me to 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 push as a bad guy because like she just got this like angelic face it's nah, nah, nah. that's what you want though is, is that stinking thinking like that's what you want so and, and again you like like this is where i what i would really suggest is uh i love the idea of isolation i love the idea of, isolation is is it you know yeah is is the biggest thing as far as like a rural setting goes is is isolation isolation is terrifying right like when you're by yourself that's why i think uh, those home invasion movies. I was just about to say that home invasion. Like I actually yeah. thought about, you know, make you know, my parents are very important to me. 
I don't, I don't, I wouldn't dare tell them that, <laughs> um, you know, if you weren't my son, I'd hug you. Right. It's just one of those situations, you know, but like, man, I, I think my parents would play ball and let me use them in the cold open to murder them both. Oh, good. I, I, I think, so. and they've got this beautiful farm and like, there's the isolation, there's the home invasion aspect of it. And that's just what I've got in my mind. You know, it, it's, it's superficial. But God damn it, that's that that's where my head is. So so at the same time, here's the other thing I, w- I would suggest too, right? Like whether it be short, feature, whatever, um, the biggest thing that, that your film should have, I would suggest, is a point of view, a direction for it, right? So let's say regardless of the the gender bend on a slasher is great like that's that's an awesome thing and i think any genre fan will pick up on that right away i don't necessarily think they're going to over politicize it in their minds i think they'll be like oh that's pretty cool you know what i mean a lot yeah, of people- i want to do the opposite of what hellraiser did <laughs> you know I, I i love the casting i oh hate God. the politics around it yeah yeah I mean, yeah, the the politics around that is ridiculous. But again, you want to talk about, and we'll we'll say it correctly this time, hell of an actor, uh, beautiful human being. Like, I mean, they nailed it to a wall. And like, yeah. like as a fan of like the Hellraiser movies, you you have Pinhead on this pedestal. You know what I mean? You have him on a pedestal, and then. To see it done right after seeing it done so poorly, like like with the uh, what is it with with the, like the nightmare reboot, right? Yeah, like that's bad makeup, bro. That's bad makeup. The story is lackluster. It's whatever, and it it puts this fear in you because it's the shit that you you grew up with and you love so much. That was a good movie. That was the Hellraiser. Good movie. Like yeah, I thought really- so too. Yeah, I, but, I was drawn to the to the to the lead actress. Yeah, um, you know, and, and it's very much uh, damn damn near film noir because of the fact that there's not a single person in this film who is good. Everybody's yeah. damaged, you know. Yeah, and and I, I fucking love it. But you know, actually, you talked about uh, the the new nightmare, not new nightmare. Let's get that straight. It's not a new nightmare. <laughs> The Nightmare remake. Yeah. I was actually okay with it because I like Jackie Earl Haley. However, the thing that pissed me off was there were no snarky, you know, quips. Like that is what made Freddy Freddy to me. But I, that need, also, I need the snark. That also was not Freddy in the first movie, though. Do you know what I mean? In, yeah. in uh, West Craven. He would talk his shit. He would talk his shit, but he wasn't being silly with, you know, Right. It, yeah. it wasn't prime time bitch at right. that point in time. Right. Yeah. Like he would he had, yes, clearly he had a point of view. Um, and then that, that's the other thing. So so when I talk about curse of the wear deer with people, the one thing people are like, Well, what's your what's your movie about? Right. Well, it's been pitched a couple of different ways. Uh, Lloyd is like it's our new ha- or it's our new anti-hunting movie coming from trauma, right? He really wants to hit the anti-hunting angle, and I respect that. And I, I can dig he- it. I, I did not even put that 
I think we in my head, yeah. Point. And when you watch the movie, there, I'm, I'm a little subtle with things, but I, I think the messaging gets through. But the way I describe it to people is, it's a movie about the need for transparency in our relationships. Is the way I pitch it to people. Is it's a movie about the need for transparency in our relationships, and uh, and that comes from what our lead is going through. And uh, rather than smack people over the head with 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 sort of this anti-hunting message, I, I think the way we hit it, and we probably hit it two or three times during the film, um, it's largely about, well, what you're doing out there, it's just a slaughter. It's not even, this isn't even about conservation. This ain't about taking care of your family. This is just about satiating your primal lust for blood. You know what I mean? And that's, I, I think that's, a note that we really kind of want to get out there. I've never, I've never been like a big hunter. I don't really begrudge people that do it, but also there's a, there's another poignant little moment at the end of our film where, uh, and not no spoilers, but uh, basically we also end on a very uh, LGBTQ plus uh, sort of uh, sort of nod uh, at least borrowing from one of their key phrases, um, we do have a lot of like, and th- this is another thing I'm, I was I was concerned about. I'm less concerned about because I've shared the scenes with some friends of mine. Uh, one of the stars of our movie, our sheriff, uh, Babette Bombshell. Are you familiar with Babette? I am. Follow uh, everywhere, Dude. or at least at least on Twitter and the gram. So Babs uh, Reeves coined this, and I am taking it here because because as I said, I would, I have to mention his name more uh, because he's going to make me. And yeah, he's going to pitch a fit if you don't. It's going to be very sad if I don't say Reeves Elliott. Like I don't want to have to block him on socials. Okay? Uh, the yeah. secret of Cuck. I also did very well at uh, at Scum Dance. We got like judges' choice, and then we best uh, we got best. Non-gender specific actor or best actor, yeah, John Bergio, John for that self-suck yoga thing. I think is what sold it. Um, But a masterwork by by Reeves Elliott, uh, also screening again. By the time you see this, uh, this coming Friday, December second, at Film Noir Cinema in Brooklyn. Anyway, now I forget what I was saying because oh, the Babs, Babs, so. There was a part of me that's like, oh, God, I hope our bachelor party doesn't come off as sort of like uh, as sort of anti gay as sort of anti LGBTQ plus families uh, and, and friends and all of this stuff. And I was like, hey, does this sound homophobic? I said that to a lot of people. Uh, I sent people pages when Babs read it said it was the funniest fucking thing ever. And she was like, if people are pissed about this, that's and that's the people that you want to see it. And I was like, awesome. Awesome. Thank you. My, my understanding of Babette Bombshell is yes. that Babette is a little bit different when it comes to the outlook. Um, I don't think Babette's looking for acceptance. I think Babette wants. Yeah, I think Babette wants the weirdness. It's like you know what? Back in the day, it was weird to you guys. I want to remain weird to you guys. I don't necessarily want. Like, well, 
this to be so, normal. To finish to finish the statement, I was I was gonna make what Reeves had coined. Uh, he is once referred to uh, Babette Bombshell as the Forrest Gump of entertainment. <laughs> and in getting to know Babs uh, over the last like year, Reeves ain't wrong, dude. Like, like rode a bus. Uh, Babs used to, used to live in Chicago. Rode a bus with Wesley Willis. Was would ride the same bus line. Knew yeah. Wesley Willis. Uh, has worked with Herschel Gordon Lewis and ran into uh, the Fourth Doctor, and and she told us this story uh, on a, an episode of Totally Tunular. Ran into the Fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, at a late night bear bar in fucking uh, London, right back in the seventies when Tom Baker was Tom Baker, right? Maybe eighties, yeah. yeah. But still, and Tom Baker is still Tom Baker. Uh, but Babs did go on to say, well, I don't think he was there, you know, looking for anything, but he stumbled across some new friends and they wanted to sit down with me. And I was like, you're my fucking hero. Um, is one of the few people I know to have turned Michael Jackson down for, I think it was either a part or, or a role in something. Uh, I'd have to go back and listen. And then there's a thing I learned recently about Babette that dropped my jaw that I can't, I can't share. Uh, one day, uh, one day I'll have to tell you, but uh, it solidified this notion of being the Forrest Gump of the entertainment industry. Absolutely fucking bananas. The legend that is Babette Bombshell. Fucking love it. Done. I fucking love it. But Bab said this and all that to say this. Uh, Bab's a drag queen has been doing drag for a billion jillion years and says drag should be offensive drag should be a thing that is a spectacle and not not a fashion show right like right. if you look at the babette bombshell when babs is out and about yeah. um you get you get a call to divine right and divine was a spectacle beginning and end was was something that was uh was kind of not just counterculture but like offensive to the eye like was was a thing that you like whoa you look away from just to turn around and look back and be like let me see more you know what i mean yeah like like and to me that is babette bombshell like in in a nutshell well, I can't wait to be able to talk to Babette. I have oh, yeah. not had the, have not had other than, you know, the occasional tweets here and there, uh, have oh, yeah. not had the the honor to, to sit down and, and chat it up. But that is my heart, my heart, bro. I'm not, I'm not even fucking with you. Babette bombshell is my heart. And I'll go on further to say too, uh, um, Nadia white, uh, an amazing actress came down did the trailer for us because she was buddies with us, right? Because uh-huh. we'd, we'd all met in 2018 on Shitstorm, came down, worked on the trailer with us, um, and then came back for the feature. And each time, not only was, was it one of those things where it's like, you meet someone who's acting and you're like, wow, you're great. That's awesome. Um, you don't mind doing like shower scenes or whatever. When Nadia is not, being naughty white film adult film star whatever nadia 
turns it the fuck on another amazing actor like she is unreal and she delivers some performance in this that and and again i don't i don't want to belittle my friends but it, it was more than i ever could have anticipated that she that she could give us uh and uh again i'm like like my heart just fucking opened up bro like it was it was wonderful like both of pro them wrestler took- too pro wrestler now too yes uh uh again what a fucking turn in your career right like holy shit but it all ties in together man i always say that like those of us who who like this thing are also going to like this thing and this thing and we're not always a different person it's it's a false dichotomy that people have invented like yep. we are largely the same people, the same people who want to go and see, you know, uh, Michael Myers stab up Jamie Lee Curtis are also the people who are going to go and they're going to want to watch, uh, I don't know, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar get after it. They're the there same people go. that are going to, you know, do this nonsensical bullshit that we do. Yes. And Ben, I love it, man. We've been uh, we've been getting after it. Tell me, are you on schedule? What, where are you at on where do yeah, good, good question. Great fucking question. Uh, yes, yes, ish, yes, ish, ish. Uh, I'll take ish. <laughs> no, no, no. We're uh, we're deep in the cut. We very much are. Um, I am a slow editor, so I have turned uh over a portion to it to uh, a guy named Benjamin Terry. Uh, he was down on set with us as our AD in uh, in April. And Terry is taking over portions of the edit. There are scenes that I feel very much need to have my my hand and my voice in them. So I'm taking those over. Terry's helping with general construction. Um, and we're hoping to have our assembly done in the next month, month and a half, somewhere in there. And then everything from that point, once assembly is done, is fine tuning and then building out and getting final cut after we've had a few watches. Uh, Lloyd wants to give some notes, which awesome. His notes on our script were tremendous. Uh, but we're, uh, yeah, I would say we're on target for to have the film complete in April, a year from from fucking shots going off. Yeah, that's wild. That is so yeah. wild. So is, is there a funding campaign still going on or is that taken care of? Not currently. No, there is not. But uh, I do have T-shirts available. If people want to buy a couple of T-shirts, man, it, like you can find me at Yarn Yeti uh, on Instagram, yarn underscore Yeti, uh, shit.house.productions. I run both of those. Uh, just uh, slide in them DMs and uh, and we'll figure out getting you a T-shirt. Uh, I like Venmo. That's a great way to get money. Uh, and not only that, every like the, our, our episode description here is going to have every link that great. we can throw in there. You are going to make yeah. sure that you know, there's plenty of representation. Uh, but before we ride off into the uh, the gag reels, Ben, yeah. you got any final thoughts on your film? Maybe a call to action for us, the viewer. I'm. I mean, listen. Um, the the biggest thing that that I would leave anybody with is you know keep keep an eye out on the for us you know follow us shit.house.productions uh send us some love uh we have a hell of a poster coming from a guy named uh, named Barry McLean Jr. uh he's got a comic book called Billy the Kit 
Uh, it's uh, from from Blue Juice Comics. Uh, he's done some work with the uh, uh, what do you call them? The comic book men, the Kevin Smith kids, right? Yeah. So what I was apart from like following our, our stuff and, and, you know, reaching out and seeing what you can see. Like the other thing I would just simply say is if you want to make a thing, the, the barriers have been broken down so much that the equipment, the programs, all of this stuff is affordable. You can make something of your own and get your friends involved. We're, we're actually shooting this weekend. Uh, <laughs> December 3rd, Shithouse. Uh, I should have mentioned this an hour and a half ago. Yeah, where we are you got, shooting? Uh, we're, we're shooting December 3rd. Um, so we made a, a short called uh, Speed McQueen for the Nashville 48-hour film festival, right? Yes. Weirdly, we got third place out of so many beautiful movies shot in Nashville, right? Uh, we got third place. Woody Woodrow, uh, Derek Woody Woodrow Johnson got uh, best actor in Nashville. All right. As a result, we got the opportunity to uh, shoot another 48 for uh, a thing called Filmapalooza, which will be screening in LA. And then if we get in the top eight from that screening, we'll go on to play Can with the movie that we shoot this weekend. So fingers crossed for top eight. I don't care about anything other than uh, some, some Frenchy fucks looking at my shit. <laughs> That's all I care about. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't have it in here with me. I'm, I'm proud as hell of you. Ben, I, I thank you very much for coming on, giving me the last hour thank and a half of your life. Me. It's been an absolute blast, a pleasure. Thank By you all, very much. Reach out again. I'll send you more names of, of people. Um, there are a lot of people in the area. And that was the other thing. When I got back, uh, when I moved back from Oregon, and then particularly when I got back from uh, New York, I yeah. didn't realize how many people down here were doing things. And uh, just talk to folks. If you have an interest in it, you will be shocked at how many other people either have a place for you to shoot in, have equipment or have a passion, or have what you want, need, and can help facilitate. Uh, you will build lasting relationships. Uh, you will find shoulders to uh, cry on. You will find hands to high-five. Uh, you'll run through the fucking gauntlet of human emotion, and you'll uh, you'll make something good out of it, maybe. I'm clipping that shit. I'm clipping that shit. Well, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of Slasher Sports Cinema. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends, support indie film. But as always, go forth and drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children.